Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I'm your host here at Grace Story Podcast, and thank you for joining us on what is going to be the final episode of 2020. What a year uh, to launch a podcast in. Um, It's been a strange one, and there are still going to be some challenges coming up in 2021 that we're going to have to overcome as uh, a country, uh, as a world, um, and as a community, but also as individuals in our our journeys of restoration. So we're going to be here with you again through 2021, and I'll tell you about some of the exciting things that we're going to uh, be starting off with in the new year. But before we get to those, we want to go back and look at some of the most listened to episodes of 2020. Um, and that's going to be the top three most listened to episodes. So starting off, we have uh, it's episode 14 with Jamie Taylor. It was the third most listened to of uh, 2020 for Grace Story Podcast. And it's titled Anxiety and Finding Brave. It released back in October, which wasn't that long ago, but in 2020, definitely feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, so we're going to go to that episode and just listen to a little bit of it um, on any of these that you're listening to, I encourage you go back, listen to the entire episode. I know for me, every time I go back to one of these episodes, I always hear something new that I didn't hear before that helps me a lot. So I encourage you to go back and, and listen to each episode. There's a lot of them to catch up on um, if you haven't listened to all of them. So with uh, with that being said, let's go now to uh, episode 14, Anxiety and Finding Brave with Jamie Taylor. Um, yeah, I remember that same thing, right? The first time I went to counseling, I was like, okay, basically like, give me what I need to do. I, yeah, just give me the checklist, fix me. And I'm going to be out the door. And here we are years later and I still go to counseling on a regular basis. So yeah, it's not how it works. (laughs) So what would you say in that counseling journey and your, your general journey of restoration, what was maybe the, one of the bigger challenges that you had and how did you overcome that? Yeah, the first challenge would be to admit I had a problem. Okay. That part, and oh my goodness, so many people will not do this. I, it, this is one thing that gets very, I get very, I'm going to be real honest with you. I get impatient with, and this is where I have to have a lot of, (laughs) I have to have a lot of patience because I was that person. I was that person who said, I don't have a problem. Um, And so I, but I just want to go, all right, you know, the sooner you admit that this is an issue, the sooner you can get on your road to recovery and healing and restoration and your life is going to change so dramatically. I just want to like, let people know. So, so that is, that's, that, that was my biggest challenge. Okay. Um, I would say on, um, on a side note with that, being in the ministry, I, I was married to a pastor when I, when all of this came out about my anxiety and my depression. So I, you know, I came out um, and shared my story in the middle of a fishbowl, you know, situation. And so that was a little difficult. Um, I wanted to keep that, you know, it's not as much this way anymore, but I would say it's, it, it still is to a, to an extent where people expect their, their ministers and their, the, the families to be something different. 
they just do. They expect something more out of them. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's okay. On this note, I've, I, I just feel like I should say this. Why do we treat the brain any different than any organ of the body? Why do we, okay. So, so say the person who has cancer, who has diabetes, I mean, who has some kind of chronic illness, we are totally fine with that, you know, with saying, well, okay, we're going to pray for healing for that, but you need to do this, 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 and this. Um, and God doesn't always heal them. Right. And, and, but yet with the brain, they go, you just need to pray for healing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? God does sometimes miraculously heal people from anxiety. I've actually heard of stories and it's, it's beautiful. And they actually give me hope. I mean, I have been a little annoyed at those people. I have to admit a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why can't I have that experience? But at the same time, um, does everybody get healed from cancer? Mm. No, not everybody does. Does everybody get healed from diabetes or chronic illnesses? No, not everybody gets healed from anxiety and depression. And so we, a lot of times have to go on this journey. Um, and so medication, okay. Medication was one of those things that was such a, oh my goodness, such a hot button topic for me. And I was on medication for about four years and then was able to come off of it. And I detail it in the book, but what I, what I haven't obviously been able to share is that I've had to go back on medication. And I say that without any kind of, um, reservation now, because it's just, it's my reality. And the fact of the matter is, okay, so I went about a year and a half without it was so thankful to be off of it. But then people around me started going, I think, I think this is something we need to talk about because it was affecting certain areas of my life. And I was not able to, I was not able to function normally. Okay. I, you know, like just a, just a base level human, you know, there were things that were becoming a problem. And so why, why is that any different? My brain wasn't working right. I was doing, I was doing all the things, you know, like trying to get physical activity, trying to take the vitamins and supplements, trying to eat right, trying to go to counseling, praying, doing all, you know, all the things that they say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, quote unquote, cure your anxiety, um, journaling, blah, 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 you know, just the whole thing. And my anxiety was not okay. Well, when you, so when you get to that point, you go, there's something deeper here that I need to fix. Okay. Why is that any different than the person who has diabetes, who also walks every day and, and tries to be careful with what they eat and takes the vitamin supplements, but they're not cured from their diabetes. So, so that was, um, you know, it, uh, being in the church when I kind of like had to tell my story and, and talk about it, there was a stigma around it. So that was a challenge. There, sure. I, I think there still is somewhat of a stigma and not just the church, although that's very, very important right. for us to talk to talk about. Yes. But in general, I mean, if, if you were to be at work and you found a certain, a certain shaped pill and you know, Oh, that's for, that's an anti-anxiety medication. Who around here do we need to watch so they don't jump <laughs> off the ledge? Uh, exactly. who, who's got the problem? I don't know if I want them on my project because they'll just drag me down, but these are high functioning people. I mean, right. these are people that, that want things to be lined up. They want to, they, they might go too far and like have you at a hundred percent of what you, when 80% would push it out and be right. just fine for everybody. Yep. Um, 
So there still is that stigma, but I bet you, I bet you in today's time that with what I see in the hospital and the, the need for psychiatric nurse practitioners currently, that there's a lot more people dealing with, with this than would like to admit going back to your earlier point of, well, I shouldn't let this out because people will think X, Y, and Z. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, I, I, can I just speak to those people who are feeling, you know, that stigma and just say, you know what, push past it and talk about it. Like it's, it's going to help you so much to talk about it. If I could go back, if I could go back to that first, that literally the first month where I had my, my big panic attack that kind of, it didn't start at all, but that's where it was like, you know, caused this like cycle to start happening. Um, I wish I could get help immediately and talk about it immediately instead of hiding it. And so, so don't, don't wait, don't wait to talk about it. Well, let me, let me, let's, let's go a little bit further there because what would you say? So someone's struggling with anxiety, debilitating, it's changing their life. Um, from what you're saying, they kind of sound frozen in a way mm-hmm. talking to somebody. Yes. But what, what does that look like? What is that next step? Who do you reach out to and what did that look like for you? Well, for me, I got to the point. So I went for about four years, I completely hit it. Um, and I ended up having, um, what I think was like a nervous breakdown. I mean, I, it wasn't like really diagnosed as that, but from what I've understood and read later on in life, I like, I, I get that's what was happening. Um, where all of a sudden I had this moment where my whole body stopped functioning. Um, I had to just lay there and on the couch, I couldn't move everything hurt. Um, and when I went to the doctor, like a few weeks later, um, first time I had ever talked to the doctor about anxiety. So we're talking four years. I'd lived hiding anxiety. This is the first time I would talk about it. And I just sat there with tears, just streaming down my face and talked about what happened. And he, thankfully I had such a kind doctor and just looked at me with such compassion and said, your body is so tired. Like he didn't even know I was going through all this. He's like, you have been living panic attack to panic attack for four years and your body cannot handle this. It can't sustain it. It's giving up. Um, so that was what was the kind of the catalyst for me. But I think for somebody who doesn't get to that point, maybe don't let yourself get to that point. Um, I think I, you know, I would, if you're, if you're a person who is a person of faith, I would just pray for God to give you wisdom on who to talk to, obviously, because not everybody's helpful when it comes to this. That's the problem. Um, you might talk to somebody. I've had so many people basically be like, oh, I don't really know what you're going through. I've never dealt with that. And you're going, actually you have, like you have so bad, but I can't, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, they don't, they're just not helpful. They're not going to help you on your journey to healing. So I would, I would talk to your, your regular doctor. If anybody else start there, when you're, when you have, make an appointment, if you haven't seen a doctor in a long time, make an appointment and say, I think I might be having trouble with this. They have incredible um, tools that you can be honest with. You can write down how you're feeling. Um, and my, my own personal doctor has been so good with, with my anxiety journey just to, you know, I go see him once a year and we talk it out 
And that's a great way to start. Even if you don't want to go to counseling yet, start there. So I want to ask you a question just before, because I do want to ask you about kind of how you started into counseling and give people just, you know, not about your specifics, but your experience, maybe what they could expect going to counseling. But what what would you, and you kind of alluded to them, what would you say to people that are, are saying just, hey, anxiety about life happens. Life is hard. Um, so, you know, buck up, let's go. Um, it's not that big of a deal and you probably should jog more because that's what works. I, I mean, you just let it out there. Uh, what would you say to those people that, that don't think it's a big deal? Oh, bless your heart. No, that's, that sounds mean. Um, I love you, but you're just, this is the thing. Why is the brain the one with the stigma? Why do, why do we think that we have the answers for that particular (laughs) organ more than anything else? Um, but we will go see a doctor. We will go see a specialist. We will go see whatever for any other part of our body that is not working correctly. So that's what I would, I would say, first of all, but the people that say buck up, you might think that you can handle what you're going through. Okay. But you are having an effect on every single person around you. So if you are married, you are affecting your spouse. If you have children, you are passing down bad habits and bad behaviors to them. Why wouldn't you want to just deal with some of the the ways that anxiety and may possibly depression is changing the way, you know, it, it changes the way we react to things, even with our, you know, within our families. And, um, I know for me, like there was some things that, yeah, could I have lived my life without ever getting counseling and ever getting help? Yeah, I could have more than likely. I probably would have been a kind of a, a hermit in my home. I really wouldn't have gone very many places. People would have had to help me with a lot of things, um, just to survive. Um, I probably would not be a very, um, I think there would be some things that would have happened in my marriage and with my children that would not have been healthy. But if I look back over the years and so I am just a much healthier person because I made that hard decision to get help and go to counseling and and do all the, I mean, there's been so much more. It's not just like, Oh, I went to counseling and I am a better person. Um, that's, that's another thing I will say this. Um, a lot of times people won't go to counseling because they have this idea that it's just talking, right? Have you heard? I mean, it is, that's not how counseling is supposed to be just so you know. And if you have gone to a counselor, personal experience, yes. <laughs> and that's all you've done. No, that that's, I mean, yeah. Talk therapy is fun. Like I actually kind of enjoy talk therapy, but that's not, that's not what counseling is supposed to be. Uh, and, and my, and just segueing a little bit into my experience with counseling, what I didn't realize what it was is you have this person, first of all, who is an expert who has been trained, which is that's powerful in itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to listen to what you're saying and say, that's interesting. You would say that, have you ever thought about it this way or, or figure out what, what, what's behind that thing that you just said, because it's not usually what the, that, without statement you make, I'll never forget when my husband and I went to marriage counseling a couple years ago and we had never done that before. And it was, it was 
crazy and good and all the things, you know, but um, also horrible, you know, let's just be honest. Cause when you start pulling out things that are like in your marriage, you're like, Oh, I didn't realize we were so dysfunctional. Okay. That's fun. Um, and because you think it's normal, right? You think you're just moving along in your life. You're like, that's normal. That's what we do. That's how we act. And then somebody goes, why do you do that? Like, you're like, Oh, okay. And, and that's, that actually happened to us where we were discussing something that, and I said, this is how I do things. And this is the way I do it because I don't want to ruffle this you know, basically, the, and I'll give a little insight. We were talking about Sunday mornings because Brian was a pastor, right? And and um, it was like Sunday mornings. I treated them very, very um, special, and I would be like, "Okay, we're not gonna, we're not ever gonna get in any disagreements because we have to go serve these wonderful people at the church, and so we're gonna keep things very quiet. I'm not going to say anything that will ruffle the any kind of situation in the home." Um, and I had this whole thing, and so we're talking about this at the counselor, and he's like, "So tell me why you do that," and I'm like, "That's a problem." No, I think that's a really great thing. That is my method and it works really well. Well, what I didn't realize was to have an outside person looking on going, what actually what you're doing is you're not being honest. You So like if something comes up on that Sunday morning, you won't talk about it. So that's not really a real relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So then we had to talk, we had to dive into that whole conversation. So I guess my point is counseling is a way to go to, to challenge patterns and, and, and things that you might think that are just totally normal and realize, Oh, wow. I actually have some faulty thinking here. Wow. Lots of good stuff in there from Jamie. That entire episode was just fantastic. And it shows it was, again, our third most listened to episode of 2020. Our second most uh, listened to episode coming up here is entitled Healing Our Core Issues, Birthrights and Boundaries. That was with Dr. Rick Butts, and he really walked us through some of those foundational things we need to understand as we move uh, on our journey of restoration. Uh, so we're going to jump into a part um, from the uh, conversation we had in September um, on a question I asked him, uh, what is the hope in healing? And he really knocked it out of the ballpark with his answer on that. So let's go to there right now. What I notice in myself, because I'm trying to be live with you is that, um, and, and people are just hearing us. Um, I smiled. It was such a great question. Nate. um, I have good news and bad news. And okay. people that know me will hear me say this a lot. The good news, absolutely. There is hope and healing. The bad news is these things will be with you the rest of your life. I try to set reasonable expectations as I work, uh, practice with myself, like with you and I, using your live example here. Thank you. Um, I, I just jumped right in there. Oh, yeah, didn't you're, really you're welcome. Give much opportunity, <laughs> you know, to uh, say, no, Rick, let's not use that. So, um, but is that, uh, that they will be a part of us. But Ryan, in the little clip we um, heard earlier, um, was about how we growing up in our families that's why i started with that just thinking for the listeners 
growing up in our families, we learned how to adapt. And that when we move into our adult self and we do uh, work, especially if you work with a developmental and a relational trauma therapist, that you understand your historical self, you know how you adapted. And then as an adult, then instead of moving out of an unconscious response, you become conscious. And it's, it's just a half a second, and that's enough, where it's like, whoa, okay, boy, I know in my historical self, I would have reacted like this in this moment. Again, whether it's with my husband or wife, my children, my boss, my friend. And just that pause, Nate, is all you need because then we call that then that and Ryan again used this term that we're maturing into our functional adult again our highest self I believe that you're living then the promise of the New Testament an abundant life yes that's the hope I could go on with that but I'll, I'll, I'll just say that 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 yes it is a part of you and you can handle that, whatever that is, in a different way. Is that helpful? Absolutely. And, you know, that pause you're talking about, it makes me wonder about some of the wisest people in my life. Uh, hmm. If they may not be perfect after all, because um, I see wise people tend to pause before they open their mouth or react. Mm -hmm. Just that moment. Um, so we, we touched on, you know, my relationship and, and the listener's relationship with, with their children, but I want to take a, another route with that and see if you can help us understand how this, uh, these issues, the woundedness maybe informs our relationship with our heavenly father and how mm -hmm. we view him at the beginning of the, um, podcast and, said the wound, you know, in the Greek is linked to, so this is my humanity and I, I get an opportunity to practice this right here is that, um, that trauma in the Greek is wound. Um, and I wasn't clear about that. And I want to go back to that. So that, uh, the reason why I'm doing that and, and using core issue three is it's like, Oh, darn it. We were in this Nate. And I went, I didn't give a clear definition, but that's really important. And it does tie with your question yeah. is that the idea of the fact that we've all experienced trauma, people get real reactive with that, Nate, but all it is, is wounding to live in this fallen world, to have uh, experienced the things that we're talking about and, and what your ministry is all about is to understand that. And to give ourselves grace as parents, uh, to give our parents grace, we can hold them accountable for sure. the impact on me. But it's my job as the adult is the idea, then how does that transfer to God in the basic answer? Because I could talk a lot about that. It's something I've thought a lot about is that our first relationship with God is our relationship with our mom and dad. Mm. So I'm going to pause right there and have all of your listeners. And again, this is mindfulness. This is post-induction therapy. 
This is the somatic sensations in the body. And I just want you to reflect each, each viewer, each listener, I guess, is, is how you all would say that, um, to just think about that. Because then if your dad was stern, if your mom was depressed, we're not blaming your parents, they're human. Mm-hmm. But that that early experience gives us the sense because they're our first higher power. And because they are, it just is, they are the authority. They are the one, hopefully, if they're a healthy, uh, functional adult experiencing abundant life, then they were going to have parented you in the way that we described best case scenario on the polarities earlier. Uh, You were valued. You were vulnerable. They protected you. They let you be you. They took care of your needs and they let you enjoy your childhood. Great. Okay. Even those parents uh, are human and the uh, child will experience a little bit of wounding, but they'll probably be able to move into their relationship with God in a different way than the person that, again, had a stern, critical voice in their childhood, had a distant parent in their childhood. Neglect is, is just as powerful and speaks just as much. And so that would be my short answer to that is that I have that moment there. Again, just to cap that is the idea of as we're born into our family, our, our parents are that influence. And then if I come from a Christian family and my parents teach me about God right from birth, those two things link together. And does that make sense? That I don't know if you've heard that before, but I, it's 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 talked about. But I just really, with today's podcast, would would answer that way. Just to go back to it, if people have heard it, I just want them to really understand. I believe it's really true. That's part of our adult faith journey, is to separate out the story in my family of origin from who I am. Core issue three: What are my thoughts about God? And to separate that out is critical. It does make a lot of sense. And I think, I think we, as listeners and myself, we could go back through a lot of what we've talked about today in this podcast and just dwell on the different things. I mean, you've said many times, well, this is a whole topic in and of itself. Um, and, and maybe journal our feelings or our thoughts, just, you know, throw them out on a page and see mm-hmm. what happens there. And, and then when, the, when it's outside, um, reprocess it through our critical thinking and some of the tools we put in our, our tool bag. Um, I'd love to have you back on to talk more about these different topics and maybe dig deeper. But I'd like to give you an opportunity to here at the end of this, this episode, if there's one thing out of this, one thing you want our, our listeners to really grab onto maybe an action item or, or something you want them to, um, to, to highlight uh, and hear, what would that be? First, just to follow up what you just said, Nate, for those of your listeners who are journalers, just after this, if they were to listen to this and just really sit with that because of the idea and to just um, write, about the fact that growing up in my family, did I feel valuable? No judgment, just right. 
link that to their faith journey. Second one, growing up in my family, I was a vulnerable little person and I really did feel protected because then again, it ties in with faith is that I feel like God is the protector. Um, or is he distant or is he always mad at me? And with the core issue three, again, of the fact that that growing up, I really felt like I had to be good and perfect or what was the point? It was never enough. Or I have no idea, Rick, of what you're talking about. And how does that link to the idea of a, a God of order, a God who is here for me? And that I would say that that would be a takeaway. Just I'm building on, on what you were saying. The second thing I would say is, and I would want all the listeners, and I remind myself of that, or excuse me, I remind myself of this, and as you and I are talking, Nate, is that thank God for uh, Romans 8.1, the idea of there's therefore now no condemnation right. for those who are in Christ Jesus. So even for the non-believer who's listening to this, that is how I think we all need to live, which means that with a spirit of grace, which is I have to understand that I am human. So I would really want that to be a takeaway for your listeners, especially because we've talked some about parenting, which is so triggering for all of us. And the fact that you have self-compassion, because that's what I really think, again, in a, in a, a biblical way, but also then, like I said, for the person who might be listening to this, and I know you have folks that aren't of the Christian faith tradition, the idea of I want you to have compassion for yourself because you're going to mess up and it's okay because my spiritual principle is that nothing is wasted. Uh, one of my uh, favorite quotes from a dear uh, woman of faith who's, who's passed on said, God don't waste nothing, honey. God don't waste nothing. I believe that, Nate. Everything can be redeemed. Again, I'll go back to the word hope. So many folks who are listening to us feel hopeless and that um, I just want to encourage them. So that would be my, my takeaway. Journal, reflect, try to take that in what I just said. So good. That was episode 13, Healing Our Core Issues, Birthrights and Boundaries with Dr. Rick Butts. And he's already agreed uh, he's going to be coming on uh, the podcast this coming year to, to help us uh, with some more guidance on our journey of restoration. He's, he's a great guy, a fantastic practitioner when it comes to mental health. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful we had him on the episode, but looking forward to what he has for us uh, in 2021. Now, our most listened to episode of 2021. We're going to it right now. It is Amber's story. That was the title of it. It is episode number two. So you're going to have to go digging a little bit. Came back, uh, what was that? April, uh, I believe it was April or May of 2020. So you have to go back just a little bit to listen to this uh, in its entirety. Um, so let's go to that right now and listen to Amber uh, share a little bit in that episode about her journey of restoration. So my, my friend, Rebecca, mentor friend, had just kind of stood in the wings and said, hey, if this ever gets too much and you feel like maybe there's a little 
bit of help that you need. Just, I'm here to talk. And so um, at the beginning of all of this, so we, we had shared a story many, many times, and I started realizing, wow, I have shared the stories, but I'm realizing I've never gone back to feel those stories. And so while my personality can share them all day long, it was a lot harder to go back and feel them and the impact of some of the things that had happened. And so one day at IHOP, um, Rebecca sat there across from me and said, I, I would like for you to, to know something. I do this and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but on a scale, PTSD scale of one to 10, you're up here and, and kind of gestured toward the 10 side of it. And as I sat there, that was my first time to hear from a professional that said, you have baggage in so many words and for me to feel completely normal. And I remember leaving that IHOP and telling Darren, it's so weird to have someone who knows and can see the signs tell you that you're broken and you know there's something off, but is it really that bad? I do think that sometimes people can get so compartmentalized um, and separated from their emotions. It almost becomes a pride thing. Like, I can take anything. You whip it at me, I can take it. Um, and yeah. sometimes their uh, emotions, uh, they're sacrificed for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there was some of that. I mean, I definitely carried that in. One of my roles, so my role, everybody has a different role that they carry in their family. And that is going to inform how you interact and um, how you perceive the trauma that's happening, the dysfunction. Um, my role was that of a hero. And so projecting that everything's fine, we've got a good image, um, as long as I'm the perfect child, nothing's going to you know, touch me. And um, living a lie living a lie to others, living a lie to myself because, and that really makes it so it, it's impossible. You cannot afford to let people get close. So you, you're in this place, you've had the realization that you need to do the work. Your mentor tells you, yes, you do need to do the work. Um, where did you go? How did you know where to go? So because she was a licensed counselor and I believe God brought her into my life for that reason. Um, to help me get started. And, but not everybody has that person. And that's why we started Grace Story was so that we could be that person for um, those that are ready to get help. We can help connect you with those first steps. But gratefully, um, Rebecca was able to hook me up with a, a group therapy um, man. And, and, you know, you went in there, I went in there and I was so cynical here I am, you know, I've got, I'm the perfect child image. I've got this going on. I'm doing fine, but I know I need some help. So let's go get it, get this done. And I went in there so cynical of the process and I'm watching these people do their thing. And I'm like, I mean, you know, they know this is all just like made up, right? Then it was my turn to get into the chair. So I, I go into the, I'm sitting in this chair in this group, you know, think, four people at AA type thing. I mean, it's, there's only four of us um, and then our, our counselors. And I'm sitting in that chair and I'm thinking, okay, so they say, tell your story, right? So 
So I tell part of my story and I realize I could not lift my head. Like I physically could not lift my head. And I sat there and we're talking a few minutes in and I'm not lifting my head and I'm crying, which I don't do. I don't cry on the notebook. Like you can't make me cry at this point in my life. And, um, this just beautiful, beautiful championing man that was the counselor there said, so why do you feel you can't lift your head? And I said, because I'm embarrassed. I don't think my story is worthy of being here. Um, it's not really that bad. And he said, I, I need you to lift your head. And could you do that for me? And so somehow I found the courage and I looked up and I had already heard these other women's story. And I mean, we're talking about incredible physical abuse, incredible. I mean, the stuff you would just here in social services, these, these women had been through it. And I just was like, my story is nothing compared to that. What, why am I here? And I looked up and they had tears in their eyes and they said, Amber, your story has touched us deeply. And it's not that it's the same, like in other words, not the same circumstances. But each one of them spoke into my story and how it had identified with them on some level. And I started realizing, wow, okay, there's something about the camaraderie of hearing from another human, your story is real and valid, and you are a valued person that started speaking some truth into my wounded heart. You know, I think it's important uh, for people to realize because we can we can shove off, you know, my story, like you said, isn't that bad. Um, maybe I don't remember it the right way. Um, there's people that are hurt worse than me. Saying those types of things um, is yeah. just delaying the help that you need, the healing that God wants for you. Um, and it's a hard first step. And I want to take a, a moment to step back to to something. You have a mentor. She's a licensed mm -hmm. counselor. She's a close friend. Um, can you dive into and go a little bit deeper? Why not her? Why not just keep these IHOP dates up? Why not keep on going to her and really, you know, just explode, you know, once a week and, and, and just that cathartic, just get it out there. Cause that seems to, to make you feel better. Um, and that's healing, right? You know, can you dive into that a little bit more? Why you had to go to somebody else? Yeah, I think that, oh, that's so good because that's what we all tend to do. We have those support people and we need a supportive community in order to really dig deep in our work. Um, so important. But even though she was a licensed counselor, she was able to give me, I mean, great insight. But one thing, if she really took me on as a client, then we couldn't have outside um, social interaction because that's just illegal. Um, but for another reason, um, it was good for me to find someone who could in where I was not trying to please them. So this is someone, Rebecca was someone that was kind of that mom figure. And so I really wanted to please her and, and get all I could. And, and just the same idea of I'm fine. And so 
being able to find another counselor, which she helped set me up with someone that she trusted and um, being able to go to that person and just get really unbiased, objective help. That's great. I, I think uh, touching on that and understanding that it can't just be your friend. It can't be that person that, that, you know, you do trust and you want to go to, but it's not just a phone call once a week and it's not just a dinner date. It's hard work, something that you go to and invest in. Right. Because otherwise it becomes a bandaid. Those conversations become a bandaid. You temporarily feel better. You really, I mean, there really is something cathartic about emptying your soul and that's great. But the work is so much more than doing talk therapy. So talk therapy, you can get with a friend. When we talk about diving deeper, doing the work, leaning in, trusting the process, all these phrases that you'll hear counselors use and you say like, okay, but what does that actually mean? It means having someone there that can, that understands how your brain works, what trauma does to your body and you, and how it affects you as a person, a whole person. And knowing how to help you navigate that process to get things back online, to kind of reset that brain, to uncover those traumas and and move forward through them. Wow, that was such a great episode. That takes me back uh, the beginnings of this uh, podcast. It doesn't seem possible that we are on episode 20, and that was episode number two, and we're going into uh, a whole new year of episodes. Uh, speaking of which, um, after you go back and listen to those episodes, um, be looking for us again in two weeks. We're going to start a series um, on grief and loss. Uh, we're going to be uh, having some storytellers, um, and then we're also going to be having having licensed counselors, of course, come on the podcast. Um, We're going to have a few episodes uh, talking about grief and loss. Our first guest is going to be Paul Stetler. Um, He's going to be sharing with us about God's grace, the through line of God's care and his life um, and overcoming obstacles in his path as as he dealt with the loss of his wife. Um, It's going to be a fantastic episode, and I'm excited to have that conversation with him. It's certainly an episode that you are not going to want to miss. And as we come to the end of 2020, and we're looking forward to that series coming up in 2021, we hope that you'll continue on your journey of restoration and you'll continue to be a part of this podcast. Tell a friend about it. Tell a few friends about it. If there's something you find helpful, uh, you know, you can pass that along to someone else. One of the best ways that you can support this podcast is by actually sharing the podcast to uh, social media uh, or sharing things about the podcast with your friends. Um, research shows that podcasts spread best by word of mouth. So as you share it with others, this will continue to grow and we'll be able to help more and more people get the education and the resources uh, that they need through that community that you create. All right. Let me just make sure I'm not missing anything. Oh, if you want to be a part of the ministry, a part of the podcast through giving, we do have a couple more days here at the end of 2020 for year-end giving. Uh, You can simply go over to gracestoryministries.com 
click on the donate button uh, and you can do a one-time gift or you can do a a monthly reoccurring uh, tax-deductible donation to Grace Story Ministries. All right, I think that just about does it uh, for this episode uh, and the episodes of 2020. Now, that's not the end of uh, your journey. That's not the end of restoration. And it's certainly not the end of this podcast. We're going to have more for you, like I said, with that first episode in 2021 in two weeks while Paul Stetler on sharing some of his journey. Um, You won't want to miss it. And until then, we hope that you'll continue on your journey of restoration. We'll be praying for you. And here's to a blessed 2021 as we go into a new year.